0: Welcome, friends. This is James Corbett. It's the 5th of May, 2013. Sorry, 2014 here in Japan. Why, how time flies when you're having fun and when you're discussing serious subjects as well. And that's what we're going to be doing today with our guest, Carlos Morales, who is joining us from the Truth Over Comfort podcast at truthovercomfort.net. He's the writer and producer of the Truth Over Comfort podcast. He's also a child rights activist who has spoken at Liberty Forum, Liberty Fest, and a host of shows regarding his former work as a child protective services investigator and how he is now working to help protect children from the state. Carlos, excellent to have you here today. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. All right. Well, I gave kind of the the just the two-line bio there, but perhaps you can expand that out and fill it out for us. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and, uh, and your time with Child Protective Services.
1: Absolutely. Um, so after I got a uh, Out of college, right? Out of sociology degree. So who's going to do anything with that? And I'd always had an interest in child's rights advocacy, right? So I became kind of a libertarian uh, out of the Stephen Molyneux tradition as in the only way that we're ever going to be able to achieve a liberty in our lifetime is if we start raising our kids in a proper way in order to be able to better uh, uh, culminate a better culture, all right so after a few altercations that i had in my own life trying to stop people from hitting their own children essentially i would go you know i'd be at a grocery store or something like that and i'd see someone hitting their kid i'd go hey why don't you go ahead and not do that i mean i would try my my best way possible to do so and i ended up getting physically assaulted for for trying to do uh, just that, that, the very action to just try to uh, uh, prevent them from doing uh, that abuse. So I heard about this agency called Child Protective Services. Now, of course, I was already libertarian at the time, but I was convinced that maybe this would be the one agency where I could actually make a difference, where I could do something positive. And so I went ahead and I signed up for Child Protective Services. And after a whole two months of training to understand child development, forensic dispute resolution, and a whole other, a whole number of different topics uh, that were supposedly able to be covered in two months, uh, I became an investigator. And what I saw day in and day out was not that I was working for an agency that was working to prevent child abuse, but rather an agency which was working to promote uh, the drug war and the kidnapping of children. So after I uh, after I'd quit the agency, and I'll go ahead and go into a bit more about the agency in a little bit here. I basically I started off a podcast, which was originally originally called The Renegade Variety Hour, and later became uh, Truth Over Comfort. Found at TruthOverComfort to try and kind of remedy some of the ills that I was causing on other individuals' lives. Now, the Truth Over podcast is not just about liberty but also mental liberation, uh, liberation from a multitude of ill-conceived and manipulative notions which have been used to control others. Um, You know, I'm actively striving for truth through reason and evidence rather than passively propagating propaganda through politically correct, you know uh, uh, – Thoughts and ideas in order to truly uh, um, hit and strike at the root of of evil And, and evil in this particular case is exemplified in child protective services and the state in general. Well, that is quite the overview. So let's let's
0: dig into some of that, because, of course, that is fascinating. Child Protective Services, uh, CPS, of course, in the United States context, for listeners around the world who don't know, give us the overview of what this agency is, what it's supposed to do, and then what you found out it actually did do.
1: Okay, so Child Protective Services is known as uh, – has a de- number of different acronyms in different states. For instance, I'm in New Hampshire. It's called DCYF, a Department of Children, Youth, and Families, which is about as creepy of a state name as you could possibly have. So according to Child Protective Services, they are out to uh, help prevent child abuse in the best interest of children as a whole, right? So they're supposed to go out and prevent people from hitting their kids. So that's the intent, the supposed intent. What it actually does, in fact, is it ends up propagating violence towards children. So let me kind of go into how a Child Protective Service investigator is trained. Like I brought in before, Rod brought before you can have a degree in literally anything. You can have a degree in jazz saxophone from the Berkeley College of Music, for instance, and then with two months training, you're given this power to be able to go out to homes, schools, and things like that and interview kids in regards to abuse. Now, what gets very, very shaky here is what the definition of abuse is. Now, in America, it's perfectly legal to hit your kid, right? They call it spanking. That's how they justify it. But what you're not allowed to do is use cannabis or, say, a number of different drugs which really don't have any ill effects whatsoever but just help enlighten individuals, which is why 85% of removals in the United States are a result of something called negligence. And negligence, in this particular case, can mean cannabis use or the accusation thereof using cannabis, uh, which is the vast majority of removals that basically occur within child protective uh, services. So I can do. Would you like me to go into kind of how a case works? Please do. Yeah. Okay. So an allegation is called into Child Protective Services of an alleged abuse. Right. Now the person uh, alleging this this abuse can name themselves, or they can be anonymous to Child Protective Services. But in either case, the family will never know who the alleged um, uh, uh, the person alleging the abuse actually is, which I believe is called unconstitutional. But From there, a child-protective service investigator goes out generally to the child's public school before even letting the child know because according to child-protective services, the state owns children. The family does not own the child. Now I go to some kid's public school, right? I knock on the door, open up the door, say, hey, I need to speak to you. Now from there, I ask this child, many times five years old, a series of questions and a barrage of questions that he's probably not going to be able to understand, right? So at first what you do is you soften the kid up. What's your favorite color? How are you doing today? These are supposed to lighten up the child. Generally, it doesn't work whatsoever, and this this child is generally left scared as hell, right? Because you're just some well, in my case, random tall Puerto Rican guy who's asking questions about his parents. And Now, from there, what they do is that they ask the child, um, "Has your father ever touched you, right? Or how many times has your father ever touched you? Uh, is there is the devil's cabbage on the table at any time? Excuse me, marijuana." So they'll ask them a series of questions like this. And the majority of the cases, what's occurring here is that the investigator ends up coaching the child, whether consciously or unconsciously. Now, this kind of coaching has occurred many, many times. We have a lot of examples. One of the best examples was, in a particular case, known as the, what is it, satanic worshiping child molesting abusers that was occurring in the 1990s in daycare, right? So the news media... Basically, made up this whole thing stating that these daycare workers were doing satanic ritualistic abuses towards kids because a series of child protective service investigators went out um, to these daycares and basically coached these children into saying things like this. And I, and I kid, you, kid you not. Daycare workers were getting on broomsticks and flying around the room, right? They were taking machetes and shoving them up in the ass of babies, right? They were sexually abusing these kids. They were taking them, putting them in toilets, and flushing the toilet. Now, You'd think with a machete, you'd have some kind of physical evidence. You'd think with massive child uh, physical trauma, there'd be some physical evidence. You'd think if they threw a baby inside of a toilet, there'd be physical evidence, but there was none. But with this so-called evidence, um, these, these daycare workers were actually thrown in, in jail. Now, after the FBI went ahead and did some checking, some of the daycare workers were taken out of jail, though not all of them. So again, coaching occurs all the time. Right. And not only that, though, the evidence that they're going by in order to remove these children is equally shaky. Now, basically, what can be considered evidence is, well, this guy told me two years ago that some kid at that house was being around parents who were using marijuana. So in this particular case, what you have is the evidence based off the memory of the memory of someone else from two years ago who heard it from someone else. And this is supposed to be clear, uh, sacred word that's supposed to be taken seriously and with that word, we can remove a child from a home. Now, when it comes to first person memory, we already know the issues, right? The the, the best case to kind of understand how uh, memory can be doctored is the child game, the telephone game, right? So you have one kid tells another kid a message and then he tells another kid a message, another kid a message and they're all whispering it to each other over the course of about two minutes. By the end of the line, after about eight or nine people, you end up with a completely different message at the very end, right? Well, in this particular case, though, instead of an insightful giggle to realize the fact that a message can be completely messed up, instead, with Child Protective Services, you have a child being removed for this faulty memory. But it even gets worse than that because what you also have is the inherent biases of the people telling those stories. So, let's say in a particular case, you have a neighbor who hates Another neighbor, right? He's getting fights and things like that. So he alleges that at their home, they, are, they have connections with the Mexican mafia and people are snorting cocaine off of prostitutes' butts. That was a real report I was given, okay? Of course, this was shown to be faulty and, and, and it was disproven. And whenever you actually talk to the neighbor, the neighbor goes, well, you know what? I didn't really know if that was true or not, but I know they're bad people. And because no one is being held accountable... A Child Protective Services investigator is not going to get in trouble for bringing up these allegations when they were faulty. The the neighbor isn't going to be held accountable whatsoever because the evidence is faulty. And not only that, because you have allegation after allegation after allegation, Child Protective Services is able to go to the state and go, look at all these allegations of abuse. We need more money. So in any case whatsoever, the more fake alleged abuse that are occurring, the more money Child Protective Services gets, even if they can't even prove that the case was valid. Exceptionally
0: disturbing, but give us the uh, the, the overview of what happens when a child is removed. What happens to the child and then what recourse do the parents have?
1: Okay, so uh, family law is a particular type of hell. Now, so let's say the kid is removed, Right. And he's thrusted into, say, a foster home, which happens very, very often, right? So the, you can end up getting a foster home in one of the cases in Austin, Texas, for instance. Um, a child is removed from a house because, as CPS admitted, the parent was involved in uh, advocacy for marijuana legalization, right? So he was given anti-government propaganda to uh, his children, uh, according to them. Now, in foster homes, I did a presentation called Foster Homes Where Good Kids Go to Die. And I accumulated a lot of different research and data to kind of get some information. So, I'll go ahead and read off some of those if you wouldn't mind. So, foster kids are seven, eight times more likely to be abused than children in normal households. Nearly half will end up homeless whenever they leave. They are three times more likely to be put on psychotropic drugs. Seven times more likely to develop an eating disorder. They're more likely to have PTSD than veterans of war and less likely to recover from that PTSD. They're more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. They're 20% more likely to be arrested than uh, children who have been abused and in similar households and economic um, situations. And they are six times more likely to die than if they stayed in an abusive household. So there's a particular type of hell that's happening in these foster homes. Now, one of the points I brought up there was the three times more likely to be put on psychotropic drugs. And this is where it gets very, very shady. So, in a foster, a foster parent is given more money for every single diagnosis a child has, medical diagnosis, right? So, if a kid's paralyzed, that kind of makes sense, right? So, you have a kid who's, say, paralyzed, he's going to need different ways to be able to get to the hospital, things like that. I'm going to give you some more money. But in this particular case, as you've brought up many, many times regarding the psychiatric drugging of children, instead, what they're talking about is mental diagnosis. So, say you're a kid, right? You've just been removed from your house, your your, your house, your community, your church, your friends, your school, and you're thrust into a foster home where you're going to be. Quite likely to be abused, not only by the foster parents but also individuals who are already there. So you're probably gonna have temperament issues, probably have issues sleeping. You might have um, um, issues where you're yelling at at uh, at the teacher. Now, according to us, because we're rational human beings, we would uh, ascertain that the issue is not the child, but in the particular situation that he's in. But according to the state health doctors. Uh, This child has ADHD, ODD, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, insomnia. And there's five different psychotropic drugs that they can stick a child on because of that. And that foster parent is going to be given five different bonuses for every single one of those diagnoses that child has. Well, that I mean, it's
0: obviously not just a system that's broken that, that needs to be repaired, but a system that's fundamentally flawed but uh but uh, tell us from the pers- parents perspective then cuz they're they've been accused of this thing based on these allegations how do they defend themselves against that how can they overturn whatever ruling was given in order to take their child away
1: so when it comes to to the parents the main thing i try to do is to help the parents before they're ever dealing with court in the first place right so this is just a few suggestions for parents if Child Protective Services ever comes into their life. And they have a high chance of doing so if they say they're kind of anti-state, right, or if they're anti-public school. Because has already been brought up, that happens quite often. They'll go after those people. So the first thing to do when it comes to Child Protective Services is realize what the organization is, which is a domestic terror cell within the United States, which has a keen incentive to kidnap children. Secondly, let your children know what Child Protective Services is. If your child's in public school, let them know who they are and not to talk to them because either way the CPS worker is allowed to talk to them even if the parent may not want that. Third, be in a strong community in which your friends also know CPS is and if CPS ever comes to talk to them, make sure they don't say anything either. Now, if you do all this, Child Protective Services uh, will have to come to your door. And give you a little knock on the door, right? And according to the Fourth Amendment, they're not allowed to just walk in your house. So hopefully, they're paying attention. Now, when you decide to talk to them, okay, if you decide to talk to them, because, say, you don't have the money to just hire a family court attorney, which not everyone does, first thing to do is to record the conversation. Now, you can audio record the conversation, or you can record through video, video I generally suggest. From there, the Child protective Services investigator is going to ask you, most likely, can I come into your home? To that, I would state, never, ever, 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 ever let a Child Protective Services investigator into your household. They can use three dirty dishes as proof of negligence and unsatisfactory household for a child to be raised in. Um, next, if you don't let them in the household, they'll probably egg you on a bit more about that. Just make sure you uh, you don't let them in. Next, they're going to ask you some questions in regards to, say, what the household's like. They may ask you questions like, Is there any domestic violence in the home? Now, if there is domestic violence, I apologize for that. I'm very, very sad for a particular situation, but these people are not your friends. They're not your therapists. They're kidnappers. Do not admit to any prior domestic violence, okay? There's been moms before who kicked a father out of the house two years ago who used to hit him, and they still get their kids removed even though the the father's not even in the household whatsoever, right? Don't admit to any prior drug use. I don't care if you smoked pot in college. Don't tell them anything. Am I suggesting that you lie? Yes. Um, do not admit to any actual physical BC maybe doing your kid. Although, to be fair, if you are hitting your child, um, I honestly, I don't really want to help you that much anyway. But essentially, tote the line. Do not assume that this person is a good individual who's going to give you a break. They're going to pretty much do everything they can in order to break you instead. Uh, now, if you do end up in a particular situation in which your children are removed and you're in court, the number one thing you need to do is get a family court attorney, not a normal attorney, and not a court-appointed attorney. That's very, very important. Do not get a court-appointed attorney. Get a a separate independent family court attorney. Now, will this cost you money? Yes, but think about how much money you've already spent on your child in their lifetime, right? All of that can be flushed down the toilet instantly if your child is thrown in one of these foster homes. Okay? So get a family court attorney because when it comes to family law, at least in states like Texas, this is how it ends up. You have the Child Protective Service Investigator, you have their attorney with them, right? And then you have you all by your lonesome and then you have a judge. The judge is paid with the same money as the Child Protective Service Investigator is, which means both of them benefit from removing children because it makes it look like there's more abuse that's occurring than it's actually occurring. Both of their budgets rely on your kid being taken away from you. I've seen judges laugh at parents because they were dressed badly. So you need to go into court full-fledged with every single thing you have. Keep all your paperwork uh, set up, Record every single thing that's been going on so that you have the most amount of evidence and highest chance of doing that. And the terrible thing is even with all that, I cannot promise you that your kids will still be safe
0: exceptionally disturbing and obviously for any for any parents in the crowd i mean obviously something that they don't ever even want to contemplate having to go through and i certainly hope we're not talking to a crowd of child abusers i'm going to imagine that we are talking to people who are uh, just genuinely good parents trying to get by who might be subjected to these types of uh, of of false accusations or what have you, especially the liberty-leaning crowd who doesn't like to put their children uh, in public schools or what have you. But let's talk about the underlying issue here, because, I mean, isn't that the point? There there really are child abusers out there who really do um, beat their children and, and really do not deserve to be parents. What, as liberty-minded people, can we do about that? What what should be done about that if there's no state agency that we can rely on to 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 remove children from that situation safely?
1: So it's an interesting question. So as a libertarian I've been asked many times, what will we do about child abuse if we get rid of child protective services? Which I'm like, I, I don't want to replace it at all because child protective services does not protect children, it harms them. It's like asking a libertarian what are we going to do about drug abuses if we get rid of the DEA? You know, they're, they're not actually there to prevent drug abuse. They're funded because it exists. Now, when it comes to dealing with, with child abusers, I'm sure you know Stefan Molyneux, right? He's released, he's had literally tens of millions of views. And just through educating individuals for free on YouTube, he's prevented tens of thousands of children from being abused because they were educated. That was a free market approach to helping children be protected, right? So right there, you have a huge boom, which is called education. Secondly, you should not stand by and just watch children be abused. It's important to confront these individuals head on so that the society itself changes the way that it it views children. Domestic violence laws did not prevent uh, women from getting hit. It was the other way around. Essentially, women were the society had already shifted its consciousness towards being against hitting women. And similarly, individuals who are choosing to hit their children should either be shamed, ostracized, or educated in regards to better ways to be able to help out their kids. I've known people who have hit their kids and have stated to me categorically, I don't know what else to do. If you're able to provide a few different options, even books or anything else, To suggest other ways of being able to raise their kids, that's incredibly positive. You know, it's interesting to me that a lot of parents spend more time researching their cell phone data plan than how to raise a kid properly. And I think that's something that's going to have to change in our society. There's this whole notion, oh, well, they don't write a, no one's ever written a book on how to raise a kid right. Yes, they have. There are tens of thousands of books out there in regards to raising children. And what's interesting to me is also this. In, in areas of dispute, it has been brought up to me, well, you don't have a kid, right? Which is a fair accusation. I also don't have a goldfish, and I know not to feed a Mountain Dew. I know based off of studies after study after study that if you're going to be hitting your kid, that is an improper way to develop an a, a intelligent individual. If we're ever going to be able to move forward in a positive manner, individuals are going to have to educate themselves or we're going to have to educate others. I do not have a, uh, a silver bullet to deal completely with child abuse. But no problem in history has ever been able to have a silver bullet that was completely was able to fix it. Instead, we just have to go at it from a multitude of different approaches.
0: Well, you have no argument with me about that. Um, I certainly do uh, believe that as well. And I had a a previous podcast on the issue of of, uh, peaceful parenting, because obviously I do believe that is one of the the most important ways forward. If we cannot raise the next generation of of human beings to be peaceful uh, individuals, how are we ever going to achieve a peaceful individual society? I Completely agree with where you're going with that, but it still does leave that question about the people who are now actively abusing children, not the people in the future who we can hopefully educate, but the people who are doing it now and what can be done about that. And it seems there are at least two different approaches, and one, of course, is the big bureaucratic state agency, which gives gets the power and the money to to do this, and then the other is some sort of com- community enforced standards whereby communities are more actively engaged in the parenting of the people around them, which, again, brings with it its own problems of, uh, of community standards. Again, if, uh, if you use marijuana or what have you, if that's not part of your community standards, then your community is going to be um, attempting to, to get rid of, get your children out of there because of it. So uh, uh,
1: there is. Yeah,
0: no, well, I think there, right. there is no a red bullet.
1: There, there is no silver bullet, and you know I think about like. So we talk about things like the stateless society, right, and Capistan, or whatever kind of term you want to use, as far as what will occur whenever the state ends is how to deal with child abuse. Well, I could tell you this much: if you get rid of the public school system, which institutionalizes abuse towards kids, if you get rid of child protective services, which institutionalizes abuse towards children, if you get rid of the military-industrial complex and the drug enforcement agency. Uh, along with the Fed, which promotes uh, poverty in a way that no one could ever even possibly imagine. You get rid of those, we're going to be pretty good. You know, that's already going to be a huge leap forward as far as that's concerned. And society as a whole is now abusing their children quite a bit less than they were in the past as far as, like, spanking rates and everything else. And, and you know, I I, I do not believe that tomorrow abuse will simply end. But I think with continuing education... And honestly, confronting individuals who are hitting their kids in say grocery stores and things like that—that that will help.
0: I, I I agree with you again, but it's uh, yeah. it's a long process, and and it's, to me it's a chicken and egg process because I agree that we do need to dismantle the state, but it's not going to be I think the people who were raised, you know, in the previous generation who. Uh, who are not prepared, I think, for the dismantling of the state. It's going to be the next generation who are prepared for it because we've raised them from an early age to be peaceful, voluntary individuals who who understand the value of that. And yet, how are we going to get there without the dismantling of the state? Uh, uh, I I don't know... (laughs) how that works exactly in, in in reality. But I do know that in theory, we need to get towards that point. Um, this is obviously something that you're dealing with quite a bit over at Truth Over Comfort. So tell us a little bit about some of the people that you've talked to and some of the conversations you've had on that podcast.
1: Absolutely. Well, first, I, I talked to you regarding this particular uh, uh, topic, which was a, a fascinating conversation. I've also spoke to, um, as mentioned earlier, Stefan Molyneux regarding this particular situation, which he's done more work for this than I can ever imagine to. Um, and a great proponent who's been very, very helpful is Luke Rudowski of uh, We Are Change. And he helped me kind of get out the message in regards to what I'm doing right now. So what I've been doing lately is child rights advocacy kind of in a different way. Instead of attacking the legal system, I'm going around it. So essentially, I put out my email address out there. Sometimes I put my phone number out there. And individuals email me who are having a child protective services and are wondering how to best deal with that particular situation. Now, honestly, a lot of the times I can't do anything because it's, it's completely lost situations or it's, or it's a situation so over my head that I can't help. If you email me and tell me two years ago, I lost the rights to my son. There's almost nothing I can do completely except tell you maybe, you know, maybe an, another dealing with the family court attorney might be able to help. So what I'm trying to do my best at is try to get people to know what to do before CPS ever comes after them in general. And I've been working with um, the Free State Project in New Hampshire, which is a, a group that basically is promoting 20,000 freedom-loving individuals to move to the state of New Hampshire um, and build a strong community. And that's the best thing about the Free State Project is a strong sense of community community. Where we can get out the, not only the message regarding child protective services, but better ways of of raising children in general. Now, uh, my my show in general, I've covered these topics uh, to all hell. You know, I've tried to talk every single thing I can about child protective services, and I I want to continue uh, with more individuals uh, and talk to more individuals regarding these particular topics.
0: Well, I uh I again this is such an important topic and one that doesn't get a lot of attention in the truth community. So I'm glad that there there are people out there working on this because again, I really do think that the raising of the next generation is the most important part of this entire process. And something that I'm obviously taking to heart in uh with my own son um who's now 1 year old. So uh so
1: in Japan do they have something similar to uh
0: uh, it's absolutely nothing like the horror stories that I've heard um, in the United States, and does not occur to the, anything near the extent that of what I've heard in the United States, which brings with it, again, its own problems. Because certainly there is abuse here, and uh, there are some horrific stories of abusers and what, what they do to their children.
1: So it's just the worst thing possible. Because what the state does is that it destroys every single thing it touches. So if you want this, if you want something to not be fixed. Put the state, get the state involved when it comes to that, which which really, really hampers the conversation regarding the raising of kids. Because here's the thing, right? I'm a libertarian. I have a lot of friends who are the kind of don't tread on me kind of things, don't tell me what to do, which is fair. But whenever I bring up child-rearing practices, you're like, well, it's my kid. I get to do whatever I want with them," which is gross, to be quite honest. And it's really, really sad because what's been pushed into them is, well, the state tells me what to do, so you can't tell me what to do. And it's like, but I can offer suggestions as to a more positive way of raising a child, not only for your child's sake, but for your own psychological uh, sake. Do you really want to go home every single day to go hit your kid? You know, do you you want that to be a part of your lifestyle? Is that a very good way to show the non-aggression principle? You know, one of the most important things for us libertarians to do is to live the values that we claim others should hold. And if one of those main values... And ethical principles, of the non-aggression principle, and then you spend the majority of your time hitting your child, that's not a very good way to spread the message of liberty as far as I'm concerned.
0: It, It boggles my mind why any parent would want to do that or think that that is necessary. I understand people have had it done to them when they were children, so they think it's normal and that every child needs it. All I can say is I was not hit as a child, and somehow I didn't turn into a spoiled, dysfunctional brat. So I, I wonder how that works. Uh, it sounds not, like it's not possible sure. to raise children in a happy environment. Imagine that.
1: All Ask right, Germany, um, Denmark, or
0: Sweden. Yeah, well. Yeah. Well, let's let's leave the conversation there for now. Um, for people who are interested, again, I will uh, urge them to check out your podcast, truthovercomfort.net. And I think this is an important conversation and one that we should probably continue at an, at another date. So Carlos uh, Morales, thank you very much for your time today.
1: Thank you for, for having me, James.